0: Amen. You know, at the beginning of creation, it says in uh, Genesis that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the earth, over the face of the deep, and the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. And, uh, And then it says, and God said, let there be light. And uh, you see the Holy Spirit there giving birth to creation through the words of God and this incredible picture of the power and the creative um, activity of God through the Holy Spirit. And then go forward, who knows, 4,000, 6,000, 6 6 million, depends on your view, years, and you come to this moment of a young teenage girl in... uh, in Israel, and then the Holy Spirit comes upon this young girl and she gives birth to the Lord God of who created the heaven of the earth, the incarnation, the making flesh of God by the Holy Spirit, just if you like, hovering over her, bringing out this wonderful treasure that was going to save the whole of the of, of the entire world from beginning to end. And then go forward again. Um, to, I don't know, uh, maybe it's around about 40 AD. I don't know when it is. 120 people, misfits, hiding in a room, praying, and then the Holy Spirit comes and just floods this place. Just maybe a, a congregation like this, just waiting. As Jesus said, wait until you're in jubilee power from high. And the Holy Spirit came like a wind and just blew through the place and and the spirit just fell and gave birth to us the church and you see this this role of the holy spirit just and that was the outpouring that was the beginning of something that we are still and the world is still seeing people um, being birthed by the holy spirit of which we are a part isn't that incredible Uh, and that's the holy spirit and um, we see this impact, any real impact on eternity is by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and he's chosen to come and live within these jars of clay as we heard earlier, the, the excellency of the glory of Christ in us, the Holy Spirit living in us. And it's the Holy Spirit that, that draws this um, group of people like us right into the throne room of grace. Grace. Only by grace can we enter, as we sung. Only by spirit can we enter. And so this is what I want us to... I know Daniel said last week that that was the last of the series. Well, it was, what he meant was, was that that was the last of the beginning of the end of the series. <laughs> um, so, um, but no, I just wanted to share this, and it probably be the last of our teaching, but I think we're just starting to get going now, aren't we, in our, in our understanding about worship and about, you know, entering into the Holy of Holies. And, and what I've enjoyed this morning is that we spent some time, as, it, as, as we read, it says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. And when we were in, that, in the court of praise, you heard the sacrifices of people. Maybe your sacrifice was to shout Jesus. in that's what happened in the courts. And when we moved from the courts into the holy place, where the priests, which we are priests, meet with God. And that's where, I think, where we are right now, where we can move into that place. So, amen. Um, John 4, verse 24 says this, Is Jesus speaking, he said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And it's probably a verse that um, many of us have heard. Spirit and truth. Truth is the... Objective requirement of conformity to God, or it's a thing that isn't changing in a, you know within ourselves based on our personalities. It is it is solid, absolute truth that God needs, needs to be worshipped in the way that He determines to be worshipped. There is a truth to that. It is absolute. It doesn't matter what background you come from, what experience you've had, what you call yourself it doesn't matter. God is worshipped in one way, and that is the way in which he's worshipped. That's what it means by truth. It's objective. It is, it is outside of my personal preferences and personality. And yet, this, and what the Spirit does, which you'll see, is help us to be conformed to that, so we can worship God. The Spirit is like the position we take. The Spirit comes and lives within us, and shapes us, and moves us, and Causes us to be able to worship God. That's why we have to worship in spirit. We've got to come um, with sincerity, integrity, honesty or holiness and purity. Um, Without God, how could we even approach him? And so we we do that by the spirit. And I want to sort of maybe unpack that a bit um, today. But we cannot worship God without the active involvement of the Holy Spirit And when I'm talking about worship, I'm not using the term worship in the collective term. We say, you know, um, we might talk about we're having a time of worship tonight or um, this is our time of worship. Uh, I'm using it in the term that the Bible talks about because we use the term worship to involve praise and worship. And Daniel uh, mentioned a verse earlier. He said he didn't want to be outdone by the rocks. And uh, what he's referring to is a verse... It's in Luke 19, you can look at where, where when the, the, um, Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey and people were praising him and they were laying down their coats and laying down all branches and they, and you know, the, the religious people said, you know, rebuke them. They're, they're, they're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They're, rebuke them. And he said, he said this, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. Um, and he says in Matthew 21 children were shouting praise and people said do you hear what they're saying he said yes have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise so everyone or anyone or anything can praise God can, can give glory to him to lift up his name and say how great he is and you might find, I don't know who it was, I think it was actually, Jim was telling me about your son John, Doreen. It was good words. He was talking about how he was in a situation and he was defending God in a situation. And he was like, why did I do that? He's yet to come through into the things of God, isn't he? But something in him caused him, if you like, you can, and this is why I'm drawing the comparison, to, to give praise to God. So we can give praise to God, but... Without the Spirit, we cannot move into a place of worship at the throne room of God. And we need that. We need that. So I, I want to just make that clear. So when we're encouraging our kids to learn to worship God, we're encouraging them to give praise to God in order that they will learn to, be, to know the Spirit of God like we do in order to worship him. And we want to encourage them to do that. So, um, so this morning I want to talk about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in the church uh, particularly in relation to this meeting, this type of meeting. And um, for this reason, is that uh, and this is the end, that we may be spiritually minded, spiritually yielded, and spiritually expectant. And I'll hopefully explain what that means. Um, if I explain what it means now, you might all go home. <laughs> Ephesians 2 verse 22 says this, in him, you also, talking to the church, are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So we, this church, are being built together to become a dwelling place. Not the building, the church, a dwelling place. And in 1 Corinthians 3 16 to 17, do you know, not know, that you, again, he was talking plurally, you, the The church are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. In other words, the spirit gathers people together to make church as a dwelling place, as a sanctuary, as a place where God will dwell. I don't know whether you... uh, have wondered why or why you're here this morning. How you came to be here. We we could all hear testimonies about how you came to know about Eltham. Well, I can tell you, whatever your experience, the spirit was at work to draw you here to make you a part of this church, and to make you a part of the global church. It says um, just as, or just as Christ was. Uh, born of the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit hovered over Mary and, gave, and Mary gave birth to the Spirit so we are born of God we're born into the body of Christ into this spiritual uh, body we're having some baptisms soon, uh, soon and um, it is a tomb uh, <laughs> but um, in that process is a sign of being baptized into church into church It says in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13, in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And then in verse 18, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. I want to tell you this morning, you're here because God has added you to this church. And I don't mean just to the fabric of this organization, to this spiritual body. If we had time, you could go into looking at the body as church. You know, there are some that are a hand, some that are a foot, some that are a mouth, and some that are an ear. And we all need all of our body, and you are part of the body. And therefore, you need to be here. We need the body to be gathered together. And, um, And the Holy Spirit, I can just imagine the Holy Spirit... There he was, moving about, and there he sees someone. He sees Marta. You're right in front of me, Marta, sorry. sees Marta and says, that person needs to be in this body. And so she, I don't know when the Lord started, maybe her child gets into Roper Street School, and then she meets Angela, and Angela says, do you want to come to our open home? And she comes to our open home, and that's it, she's in. And... But that's the beginning, and then this is my. She came to many meetings, came to a meeting, a joint meeting like tonight. Do you remember? Do you know what I'm talking about? She came to this meeting, and in the worship, God gave her revelation of Jesus Christ. And she said, "I see it," and I said, "Now you're in." <laughs> I didn't say that, but that's what it was. You're in. You're part because the Spirit has come and given you revelation. God has seen you. You might think that you are nothing. You aren't worth anything. You're not wanted. You're not good enough. It has nothing to do with you. Just got to yield to Him. If we just yield to the Holy Spirit, He will take us places we'd never dream of. Who would have thought that Milena, would, would growing up in Colombia, would end up in Elton? Huh? Uh, well, we ain't got time to go around, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but the Holy Spirit saw you and drew, drew you in. You know, the, the early church was, was drawn together. First of all, it says in the temple they were drawn together. They were drawn into people's homes. And when the persecution came, nothing could tear them apart. The, the churches grew and grew and grew because the Holy Spirit draws us together and creates a sanctuary, a dwelling place for the Most High God to come and move. And that's what he wants to do on Sunday mornings, isn't it? to come to his dwelling place. And I know this scripture says that I am the temple of the living God, my singly. That's that's another aspect of this wonderful picture. And when we're worshipping, we're worshipping this morning and we're singing praises and what the Holy Spirit's doing is that he's gathering the praises from River Church and the praises from... Um, Elton Park Baptist, and these, the praises from CPC and Grayson, and the praises, and all these other churches around the globe—not just ones that are connected with MLG—but all the praises together. He's drawing them in. We're into in the spirit. There is a great meeting going on, and we think we're the only ones because where we see these four walls. But actually, where we raise up in the spirit in this great meeting place, joined with the angels across all the nations, it's massive meeting. That's that's. Um, oh, if I could go into the return of Christ for a thousand years. Um, I'm looking at Daniel, this great meeting place where God is being praised. And when, and when Tracy lifts up her voice, it's lifted up in this great meeting place in the heavenlies. And God hears it. And he hears you and he hears you. He hears the person down the road and the other person who's maybe on their knees and crying out in their heart. And the other person who's jumping up and down shouting. He hears it because the Holy Spirit has created a sanctuary of which you are and I am a part of. Oh, isn't that amazing? That's why I love church. Isn't it? Yes. A global, I read this so I can't claim it's mine. A global chorus of worship. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit, when we think about church, that's what we're talking about. In our little part of Elton. Or maybe there's a little, like there's a little church down in Heathfield in Devon. Joining with the angels and with the churches in worship. See, that's the first thing we have to understand. You're here because God has added you to this church. Isn't it interesting that you're here today to hear this? Because you might have been somewhere else. You might have got up this morning and thought, I might stay in Swanley because my back's aching. But you came. Mike and Jane came down as well because they need to be reminded (laughs) where they are. We're joining with their church through their you know, this wonderful thing. So he builds a sanctuary, and the second thing is this, that he does in Ephesians 4, verse 3. He says, I urge you to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, the unity of the Spirit. Now, the context is about uh, church, and Ephesians uh, 4, if you, if you want to go and read it, it's about this oneness and being one spirit and the gifts and, and, and all this kind of thing about church. But this is where he says, "Be," or in that version, I think it says, I urge you to, e-, is it eagerly? To be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. How on earth are we going to be unified without the Holy Spirit? I mean, just, let's just take a moment and look around. Let's just look and think, how on earth do we get on? I mean, there are, there are some people that I don't understand what they're saying. No, I do. But there is, an, there is a unity of the spirit. God, you know, right at the very um, early uh, places in, in uh, the history of the world, um, there was one language, there was one people. And um, and they, uh, sinful though they we were as a, as a human race, um, there came a point where they started to say, let us build a great tower that we may reach even to God. And God saw what was in the heart of man and he saw what man can accomplish unified. And he said, but look at what man, a sinful man can accomplish unified. It's the same sin as Satan who said, I want to be like God. And so God confounded them when they were building the tale of Babel, uh, which is where we get our Babel from, I think, maybe. And he confounded them, and and they all separated off. This group here were walking around talking and finding people that would understand the same language and separated out across the globe and became the nations, the cultures, and all sorts and things like that. Um, But in God's heart is a unified people. And so he's drawing them back into the church, unified from all the different nations, of which we're privileged to see a number of nations represented here. Wonderful, a unity. And we are to maintain and be eager to um, keep that unity of the Spirit. See, so unity is a prerequisite for corporate worship. If you are not unified with someone, if you have a problem with someone and he's not dealt with, it will inhibit your ability to worship because the Holy Spirit will focus on the fact that you need to be unified with your brother and your sister. It says in Matthew five twenty three. If if you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Notice he says, not if you've upset them, although that's kind of implied, but if you know that someone's upset with you, go to them. Worship, this is a quote, G. Walton Gaddy, Worship that does not contribute to unity is not the worship embraced by Christianity. You cannot worship without unity. Now, that's an interesting one for the whole church, isn't it? We can find all sorts of things with other churches that are wrong, different ways of doing things, different theologies, and and that's a whole bigger issue. But maybe for us, in our responsibilities to this body here, we have a responsibility to be right with one another, to love one another, to bear with the burdens of the week. Again, if we had time, you could go in, these are all individual sermons, aren't they? You go, how do we maintain the unity? Have fellowship, support one another, love one another, encourage one another when someone steps out. Applaud them, not necessarily with you, but say, come on, yes, well done, go for it. Think the best of one another. These are all things, authentic worship shapes Obedient worship. I was trying to remember whether I made that up or I got that from someone else. <laughs> A wise man once said, authentic wor- uh, unity. I can't remember it. <laughs> unity. Third thing is this is that the Holy Spirit provokes purity. We are called out ones. Ecclesia, which is the word we get church from, means called out ones. We are called out of the world to serve God. That isn't the called out that we are to separate ourselves from from them in the sense that we keep our distance, but we separate ourselves from the way in which the world lives. We show ourselves to be different. We follow after God. The Holy Spirit is the one that, that works in the meeting like now. One of the ways in which I think he works is that we're singing songs like, Lord, I give you everything, you are my everything, I surrender all, I surrender all. And the, and the Holy Spirit says, really? And he provokes your heart and you go, I surrender <clears throat> And he says, okay, I'm going to work that in you. I'm going to work that in you. Yes, you're going to go through it now because I'm going to cause you to get through that and I'm going to work that so that you are there singing, I surrender all and you're not a hypocrite. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't go to say, how dare you, or come up to you and say, you, stop it. Don't you dare speak like that until you're purified, Anna. He says, okay, I'm going to work. And the Holy Spirit starts to minister that our worship is pure. Philippians 2 verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Have you ever said, I wish I was, oh, that I might be? Then the Spirit's there working to cause you to will. Why do you want to be like that? Was it your idea or was it the Holy Spirit's idea? Purity. See, if our worship, is not matched by our behaviour. It is unacceptable worship. It is... Um, I can't remember the word. See, if someone continues in sin, and we know the difference between stumbling into sin but some continuing, just continually living, on a Sunday with their hands in the air, praising God, and on a Monday they're just literally living a completely opposite lifestyle to God. They cannot worship God. They can sing the songs, they can pray some prayers, but they will never enter into the holy place that God is into. So we have uh, um, the sanctuary. God creates the sanctuary. He draws us together, the dwelling place of God, and then he, he uh, brings the pu- the unity. And then he provokes the purity. And those three things come to create acceptable worship. Acceptable worship. There has to be acceptable worship in order to worship God. That's why the Holy Spirit has to do it. It has to be in line with the truth. Remember I was saying that we worship him in spirit and truth. The truth is an objective reality that we have to conform to, not shape. Our, around our own subjective reality it is there we have to worship god as he is and come in his way as informed by the by the scriptures brought alive by the holy spirit so those three free things that's why you know we 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 might preach things like for instance when we, we we come from a holiness movement our church i'd like to think that we're still moving in a holiness way um where the Bible says that, you know, I love this, I've been thinking about this week, I love this verse, uh, this is my interpretation of it, there must not be a whiff of sexual immorality among you. Essentially. That's how Paul would speak. There must not even be a whiff of it. That's holiness. I'm just saying that because I felt that in my heart. But that's, that's another subject, isn't it? Acceptable worship. He builds the sanctuary. And when he builds the sanctuary, it's acceptable worship... The Holy Spirit comes, fills the sanctuary, starts to move in our meeting, and certain things start to happen. And the first thing, or the main thing is this, the Holy Spirit starts to minister. It brings a ministry. So as we open up our hearts to him, as we come in, as we start to give him praise, as we're bringing our lives in line with him as we're yielding to him, as we're coming with our mindset, I'm not just going to church. I'm going as a vessel of the spirit of God to be used to worship him. And when we come in that way, God starts to move. And and you might find at times where when the spirit's moving, people start to um, prophesy, bring a tongue for interpretation, and... Sometimes you might find when someone starts one, it kind of kicks off someone else. People start to become overcome emotionally by what God is doing, by by working in their hearts. Some uh, You start to see how God is starting to minister. Um, And at the same time, we start to minister to the Lord. And that, if I'm honest, that's still a mystery to me. Lord, how can I minister to you? How can I... And sometimes I just don't know what else to do, but to be in a position of heart that says, I'm here, Lord, to minister to you. And in his time in here, tell me what I need to do. But let me, let's read this, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. Because what the Holy Spirit brings, uh, in that, uh, the Holy Spirit enables us to minister through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we've heard some this morning. We've heard a a tongue for interpretation. We've heard a prophetic word. Um, And there are other gifts. And this is a passage that talks about it. It says this now. Concerning spiritual gifts, uh, gifts, brothers. That means brothers and sisters. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, when you were unbelievers, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led... Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. In other words, I know that you might find someone who doesn't love God can say those words. But he's talking about with the conviction behind it. There's no one, if the Spirit is in you, you will find you will never be able to curse God. If the Spirit's in you, you will be wanting to say Jesus is Lord in all of your attitudes and your expressions. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, listen out for the word Spirit in this. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Just incidentally on that verse, if you're interested, you see the Trinity there. You see the Spirit, you see um, the Spirit, the the lord jesus and then you see god the father there's a funny if you're writing notes to each is the spirit for the common good for to, to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So when the Holy Spirit comes and fills our hearts, he comes uh, with gifts, which are um, how he reveals himself through our lives, a manifestation of, of the Spirit, and some of those gifts operate in the context of a meeting, and so some of the ones that are more evident are prophecies—that is, where someone brings a word as from God speaking to the congregation. There are um, the ministry of other tongues, something which again we heard this morning. Then you see that in two ways: you see that in the way that we heard, which is a tongue, which is given. Um, above the sound of everyone else in order to be heard by everyone and interpreted by someone, okay? There's another use of tongues where it's a personal, what people would call a prayer language, of where you can pray and you can worship God um, in the spirit, as it's a spiritual gift, where you don't know what you're saying, your mind isn't fruitful, Paul says. You can read this in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. But there are these gifts that operate. Sometimes you have a word of knowledge where someone would say, I just feel there's someone here that God wants to minister to in this way. Um, there's words of wisdom and, um, and there's, there's different discussions about how these would outwork. But there are, the point here is, is that when the spirit starts to move, you start to see the spirit moving and hear the spirit moving in various people. And I want you to know that if you are born again, That is, if you have received the Spirit, if you have given your life to God, you should be expecting to see the outworking, the manifestation of the Spirit in gifts because, as it says in here, the gifts are given not to me, for me, but for you. And your gifts are given for one another and to me. So if you're not operating in your gifts, I'm losing out, we're losing out. So that's not pressure, that's that's to give you a a sense of why we have these gifts. But, so let's just come back to this point. We have this authentic worship. We're moving, we're open to the Lord. We're we're not thinking about ourselves. We're putting down our own selfish kind of desires and we're just focused on the Lord because that's what worship is, isn't it? It's like, Lord, I want to love you, I want to worship you, I want to praise you. The spirit starts to move. Now, are you ready? Are you ready to be used by the Spirit to operate? This is what it comes down to. Are you ready to be used to bring a word of prophecy or, a, or are you ready to be used where the Lord stirs you just to, to quietly worship God in tongues or to go to the person at the front and say, I just feel as though I've got a word for someone. Can I share it? These are the ways in which we see it. Operating, or it might be a tongue for interpretation. It does say in the scripture, let me tell you this, it says if there is the tongues, if they're brought above, loud, everyone hears them, like in our example earlier, someone needs to interpret it. If no one interprets it, in this situation, Jim would have to interpret it. It's right, isn't it? Yeah. It says if there's not an interpreter present, either shut up, don't bring it, because sometimes you know, I remember there was a time where um, you could tell the people, like my, when my mum was in the church, she would have the gift of interpretation. And you knew that if you had a tongue for interpretation, my mum was in the room, you could bring it because she'd probably interpret, if not someone else. So there are rules which we'll get into a little bit. But my point here is, is that the spirit starts to minister. It says in 1 Corinthians 14:26, when you come together, each one has... A hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up, for edification, for building up. So when we come together, everyone has. Are you ready? Okay. So I think it says elsewhere. I don't know if this is in the Bible. Maybe I'm just thinking, maybe you can confirm it. We could all prophesy one by one. Okay, right. We're going to start with Marcus, (laughs) and then we're going to go around the room. So off you go, Marcus. Really. But that's what, you know, in a spirit-filled church, that's the potential. It's, you can relax now, Marcus. <laughs> that's the potential. And your prophetic word, as there was in one situation, in one conference, someone went to this conference was saying, Lord, shall I go to Africa? I don't know whether I should go. Will you speak to me? And someone just went, just go! <laughs> or or no, it was, Go! So if you think you're going to be a complete nutcase, just by shouting, do it, someone's sitting there thinking, should I? We need to be available to operate in the gifts, that's my point. See, in our church worship, we see um, a style of worship which allows for participation, Um, It encourages actively participation. And we do that because we believe that of what I'm talking today is that, particularly in this size, we have this benefit that we believe that it is not just the person or persons on the front that have the ministry, it is the body, the church, the sanctuary that God has created by the Holy Spirit. All have a particip- participation to make, and to, it's not just in singing or in praying prayers that only you or the person next to you can hear. There are times and opportunities where your input is the is the leading of the Holy Spirit to lead the meeting and lead us in worship. So your you coming prepared is an important part of this whole process of worship. That's why we. I don't know if you know. And this is my understanding, growing up in our church, we've never really called our meetings services. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Because a service sounds like we're putting on something for you. We're not, we're meeting. We're meeting the church is meeting, it's gathering together in order that we may all participate. And what we the reason we do that is because we believe that when the spirit's moving, they essentially, although you might have a meeting leader and a worship leader, they are there if you right to kickstart the car because it's it's been left in the driveway for a week to just push it down the hill until it jump starts and then we're off or maybe it's just because you've got someone who's just focusing a bit saying lord I'm available to you to give direction in order to give liberty to people so they know they can pray at a certain point. Because some people might be saying, can I pray now? I don't know. There's, there's no structure. I'm used to someone telling me what to do. So having a leader just creates that opportunity. But it's the Holy Spirit that we believe, that we seek for, to lead worship in our meetings. And that requires participation. And the, but Scripture says, in, again, this is in uh, 1 Corinthians 12... Or fourteen, I think it is. No, Um, twelve. I've gone off my notes now. This is why you're waiting. Yeah. um, This is this is chapter fourteen, and in this in this verse, um, I won't go into it it because I will lose my track. But here's, here's my point. See, we want you to participate. The Holy Spirit will stir you up to participate. The leading this morning was to encourage you to participate. Um, and what can happen in this situation, in these kind of styles of churches that, where we have this kind of worship, is that we can have moments where when we're in worship and we're moving into a deeper place... And then someone prays a prayer or starts a song and it just pushes us right through into a new place in God. And it's not from the person. Sometimes the person at the front here hasn't caught on to that yet necessarily. And then they see it and they go, yeah, right, let's go for it. And so it, the leading of the Holy Spirit can come from the congregation. What that can, can also do is it can make room for people that are not led by the Spirit. So you, it opens up the potential for people to do things that actually go against the spirit. But that's just part and parcel, isn't it? And as we're moving in the spirit, the more that, that God is moving, you sometimes you get reactions, negative reactions, because the spirit's moving. Some people shut up because the spirit shuts them up. And, and so that's our kind of style of worship. But the point I want to get to is here is that when the Holy Spirit is moving, there is order. And you read this in 1 Corinthians 14. There is order. And in, in, the, the, in that church that he was writing to, there was a lot. People were just going on and on. They were shouting out tongues here, there, and everywhere. And they was all, you know, talking here, there, and um, prophecies. And everyone was just... And Paul was saying, just hold on a minute. When the Spirit moves, there is order. Now... If everyone's prophesying, let's just have three prophecies, and then we're all going to sit and and just weigh it up in our hearts. Now, we're not at that point. We're not at that point where everyone's bringing a prophecy. It's like, we haven't got, you know, let's just stop. We'll have three prophecies. Now, let's just focus on what the Lord is saying. Everyone was speaking in tongues everywhere, and it's like, if you're speaking in tongues, we need. if you're bringing out to everyone, there's no point you coming to me and speaking, you know... Um, who who can can I pick on That's um, Anna coming to me and talking to me in Russian I'm not going to know what she's talking about I'm going to say hold on can you just interpret so that's why there's tongues where we all are on that same level of singing together where we're not putting one above but when we put one above we need to so there's order and when the spirit moves there is order so how do we know when we can participate how do you know whether you're doing it right? Because maybe some of you are thinking, oh, John, you said, you know, come let participate, but now you've made me feel a bit, I don't know whether I should participate. Well, this is what it comes down to to me. Paul says in that last verse, when you come together, each one has a heart, a him, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building Check your motives. Is what you've brought just the thing that you're just really interested in? Or the bee that you've got in your bonnet? Or are you a little bit kind of perturbed by the other people in the church aren't singing loud enough? So you want to pray and say, Come on, let's sing louder. Come on, everyone. Why are you not praising? You'd be surprised. Um what is your motives? And I tell you what, if you're Moses, look, I just want to bring this because I love God. I love God and I just want to share it because I know that it would encourage someone else. And it could be five words. It doesn't have to be anything. Big and... Amen? Have I laboured that? The other thing that the Holy Spirit does is he brings liberty. Um, it says where the Holy Spirit is, there is liberty. When the Holy Spirit starts to move... Um, we need to start to open up to the Lord. We need to yield to him. We need to say, Lord, I'm yours. I want to step out. I want to move. I've just seen the time crumbs. Was that because I start, Have I gone on? Um, there is a liberty to operate. There's a liberty if you just want to trust God. Um, let him, just go with him. Just go with what people are doing. At the same time, there is a liberty to shut up. There's a liberty to say, Do you know what? I, I, could, I could pray the hind legs off a donkey in the meeting, but do you know what? I'd rather keep quiet because I'd love to hear what D has to pray. And I'd rather give room for D. There's a liberty to, you don't, you know, motives. It's about, yeah, I, Lord, you can hear my prayer. And I will pray when I pray, but I'd love, I'd love to hear other people pray. So let's summarize. So the Holy Spirit comes. He builds a sanctuary. We're all part here of the sanctuary. You might even think that, oh, you thought you had just popped by today. Well, maybe the Lord's got other, other things in mind. Not looking at anyone particularly. Uh, but he builds a sanctuary. And then he brings the unity. He helps us to love one another, to bear with one another, to, to overcome things, to forgive. He creates that unity. provokes the purity. He keeps us holy and he trains us and disciplines us and therefore it creates acceptable worship and stirs the ministry of the holy spirit so in all of that we could say this is fantastic the holy spirit is going to do it and we can come and we can turn up we can sit there and say lord i'm looking forward to what you're doing today and we can sit there and say oh there you go that's great time to go home but what's my role what do I- and i just got four things that I just want to... Um, because someone once someone said, you know, the Spirit was moving in a meeting and there was, you know, I think this, this can happen. You can have two people sitting next to each other and one person can go, man, that, I just really felt the presence of God and he really just was moving in my life. I just felt so free to love him. And the person next to him saying, really? Was we in the same meeting? You know, and, uh, and that can happen. And, and maybe it's because when we come, we need to come prepared. If you are part of the sanctuary, you go read 1 Peter. We are living stones being built up into the temple of the living God. We need to come prepared and ready to say, you know what, I know why I'm here this morning. I'm here to worship God. Lord, I'm going to yield to you. I know it's all by your spirit, but I'm going to be ready. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to sing out. I'm going to be open to you. I'm going to praise you. And when you prompt me, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be used of you. You know, I, we, need, if we if you are part of the sanctuary, You've got to be here. Talking to other pastors, and there seems to be a, um, a common thing happening in churches, particularly that we're related to, where more and more now people are, are not coming every week. And the early church wouldn't dreamed of not missing out on church. And I know that we have certain responsibilities that, you know, there are certain valid reasons, but you, if you're part of this church, you need to be here. And if you miss the messages on the Sunday, you need to listen. Go online or go on YouTube because what's God saying to the church here? So if you're you're missing the sermons, you need to listen because how on earth are you going to know what God's saying to you as part of this church? So there are some practical things there. So be here, come ready, come on time. (laughs) Um, Keep informed because you're part of the sanctuary. The other thing, unity, come to encourage, come to support one another. When someone prays, say, amen. Don't go, well, I'm not too sure on the theology there. You know, you know say, amen for speaking up and saying something wonderful. And then go, you can go after them and say, I want to encourage you for standing up and praising. Why don't you go and read? <laughs> uh, purity, your personal holiness, not, does not just affect you it affects me and my personal holiness doesn't just affect me it affects you if we are one body you know you again you could go and look at all the things about um sin in, or, or infection in the body and how you need to cut off an arm to stop the gangrene going you know uh, there are interesting pictures that the bible talks about about sin in the church So your purity is important. But also, it's when we are walking with God, we are blessed because of it. It's a wonderful place of joy and celebration and liberty when we are done with sin. And the fourth thing, ministry. Push the boundaries of your ministry. I'm really gutted I didn't look at the time. but um, Because I'd love us to just have some time of prayer. Because to awaken, it says of, of Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, he said, he said, stir up the gift that is in you that was given to you, I think this is right, it might be a different by the laying on of hands. I wonder whether you're thinking, oh, I wish I had some spiritual gifts. Well, what will awaken what the Spirit's doing in your life? Maybe you need to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you need to be prayed for in order to encourage you to stir up those gifts so that when you're out and about and when you're here, you're yielding to the Spirit saying, I'm going to be used of you. And then maybe you'd have a, a word in your head for someone and you just need to speak it out. And maybe it's because God's awakening a, a gift of the, um, a prophecy. Develop your spiritual prayer language. I personally believe that we can all speak in tongues in the prayer language. If you're filled with the Spirit, that you can learn to operate in that. We may not have um, words, uh, tongues for interpretation, but... I, I just find that there is so much in Scripture that talks about this benefit of the thing about tongues is that you operate in the Spirit. You could be praying to things that you have no idea about, but, but you're, you're activating something in the Spirit. So at the end of this, I think this is where we need to be spiritually minded. When you come to church, we are part of the spiritual sanctuary. We are spiritually yielded. Just lean on him. Just go for it. Go for it. Don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about if you're going to fail, if you're going to make a mistake. You're going to say something wrong, just go for it. Um, And spiritually expectant. Amen? Amen? Amen.